Welcome to The Original Doll. I'm your host, James Rodriguez. On The Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who create it. And at the same time, we give back to charity. For more information, go to our official website, theoriginaldoll.com. Big shout out to my Patreon supporters. You all rock. Thank you so much for supporting. If you want to join that community, go to the website, theoriginaldoll.com. And as with every and all things with The Original Doll, any audio recording, ripping, stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked, please reported. One of the things that I love about doing this is over the years, I've been able to interview so many people. And sometimes those who get this reference get it where it's like, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Well, when we talked to Shepard Solomon today about his work with S Club 7 and Spice Girls, many people know him from so many of his different songs, whether it is his connection to Britney Spears. He, in fact, worked on Touch of My Hand, and we have an episode about that. So if you scroll through the list on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you'll be able to find it. But part of what I love about talking to these creatives about the music is you get to see all of these different storylines. All these different songs were created around the same time. So when we look at the evolution of a recording artist, that's one thing. But when you look at the evolution of the songwriters, the producers, the behind the scenes people, the people in the liner notes, it gives us just an adage layer of fun information. So today we're going to talk to Shepard Solomon about his work with S Club 7 and the Spice Girls. Don't forget to check out my other interviews with Shepard Solomon. My name is James Rodriguez. This is the Original Doll Iconography. I think what's what's interesting too is how it's one thing to have your song recorded by somebody else. It's another thing to have it released as like a lead single. It's another thing to see it performed. It's another thing to be in a live venue and hear people singing your song back or at a club, yeah. people dancing to it. I actually have a story about that, but uh, oh, well, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I wrote this song for S Club Seven, and it's a cool story. Uh it became a massive song in Europe and the UK. And I was invited to their concert at, in Wembley Arena. I'm sitting there and right next to me is Annie Lennox with her kid. Oh and my goodness. <laughs> they, they start singing my song. And I was with a friend of mine named Jen Carr, who you interviewed. Yep. And Jen Carr told Annie Lennox, my friend wrote this song. And... Annie Lennox gave me a big hug and starts dancing with me in the lovely arena. Stop. <laughs> Are you <laughs> Yeah, she's so great. She was a great person. What's amazing is, as many of you know, and big shout out to my Patreon supporters, I go through all sorts of different archives, magazine archives, internet archives. So thank you all for that support. What I found out in doing the research is S Club 7's Don't Stop Moving debuted right off the bat at number one. Now, it was knocked from the number one spot by Spice Girl's Jerry Hollowell with 
her cover of It's Raining Men. Now, the Jerry song would, in fact, spend two weeks on the chart at number one. Then that would get knocked off the top spot by, once again, as Club 7 with Don't Stop Movin'. This is the fun information. Like I said, we're talking to Shepard Solomon, who did in fact work with S Club 7 and the Spice Girls. And there's a connection with these artists topping each other for the number one position in the UK. Back to the show. There are people saying, oh my God, justice for Don't Stop Moving. It should have been number one for three weeks. We have people, we have Lindsay from Dubai said, I love this song so much, I still dance and smile to it today. How did you get involved with the S Club 7 project? Thank you, Mr. Solomon, for making this music that makes me smile today. Wow, that's nice. Where is she from, Dubai? Dubai, yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tell her I've been to Dubai once. I went to Dubai once. Anyways, uh, so how did this happen? Okay. Okay, at that time, right, um, actually, I was in England and... There was a new guy that took Peter McCamley's position named Mark Shear, right? His name is Mark Shear. And we actually became very, very close friends. He became like my brother. He basically said to me, you know, he was setting up my schedule, you know, sending me to write with DJs, write with producers. Every day was something different. And he said, there's a guy named Simon Ellis, who's a great keyboard player who at that time was the musical director for like E17 and Take That and uh, and he was signed to Simon Fuller as a songwriter you know to he was also the musical director for the Spice Girls you know Mm -hmm. and S Club was having success and they were looking for singles for their second record and basically uh, I went to Simon Ellis's house which was like two hours outside of London and I forgot Harpenden, an, an area called Harpenden. I think Harpenden is near Surrey in okay. the UK. So I, I was really grumpy. You know, I was, I'm, I was living in a place called Earl's Court where you had to take the train to King's Cross and then oh, King's Cross, Harpenden. <laughs> it was, I was so angry, you know, like, you know, what am I doing in my life? I want to go back, you know, I just want to be on the beach somewhere, you know? And uh, basically uh, we wound up, at Simon Ellis' studio, right? And Simon Ellis had a studio in the countryside, this really old farmhouse and a studio in the back in this very idyllic kind of English countryside with sheeps and, you know, it was really nice, you know? And we started screwing around, you know, he starts playing this bass line and we start with the verse. And basically I come up with the, DJ's got the party started, there's no end in sight. It kind of reminded me of like, you know, an old disco song or like, you know, Billie Jean or something, you know? And Mm -hmm. so we do this kind of fun verse, but then we were struggling to find a chorus. Then finally I came up with this chorus that that I really didn't like. I thought it was kind of cheesy, you know? But he said, mate, we're keeping this chorus. We're not changing this, period, you know? Blah, blah, blah. So... (laughs) Literally, two hours later, Simon Fuller heard the song and said, number one hit record, this is a smash. I want the band to come there next week. And that was a fast one too. They came and they literally recorded the song. It was done in two weeks and it went to radio. It became huge. You know, it's, I think it sold like six million singles, you know? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I've had uh, Simon Ellis on, on a few different episodes. 
he cracks me up so, so much. And it cracked me up because the whole time, because he actually uh, music produced uh, Britney Spears' circus tour and her femme fatale yeah. tour. And I would just crack up because all these stories and he's just like, he just reminded me of this fun, creative kid that's just like, let's try this. He actually talked about a story about how he got, and it's all on, on the original doll, where he was making the um, version for I'm a Slave for You for Femme Fatale Tour. And he decided to get high. And so he just let the record button go for himself. And he was like, I thought I was doing this quick song. He goes, I played it back and it was like 20 minutes. And there was this woman going, knocking at the hotel door going, excuse me, sir, are you okay? Because all he was saying is like, more, more, uh, trying all different things. And so he just talked about this. And I was like, this is, I would have loved to have been there because I would have just left to see, like, he's, he's like, yeah, I'm thinking I'm making this like three minute thing. He goes, then I realized I was recording for 20 minutes and it was just like ASMR at that point. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, He's an amazing musician, keyboard player, you know, just, he just has a, very good taste. We wrote many songs together and had a lot of singles, you know, with different people, you know. He was a fun, he's like a soccer guy, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> but he's like a musician, but he's like a soccer guy. And he, he likes to have fun, let's say, you know. A hundred percent. And the funny yeah. thing is when we were talking, he was like, oh, I'm gonna, he's like, I swear a lot. I'm like, it's fine, I swear a lot too. And here's this man who created the like the poppiest of pop songs and telling these stories about these things. And I'm like, it reminded me of this like rugby soccer guy that just showed up. It's like, here, I'm playing something. And it is hysterical, like with the Spice Girls and things like that. I was just like, this is amazing. But he was a lot of fun. But we got more questions on Don't Stop Moving. And many okay. people were asking, yeah. when you as a songwriter, when do you ever listen to, because there were a bunch of remixes of yes. don't stop moving did Tons, you yeah and actually you, other people covered that song some indie bands covered that song well and that's what i was going to say when somebody does a remix or somebody does a cover do you ever listen to it or do you want to be removed from hearing that <sighs> do you know what? it's weird like i guess a little bit now more back then i was always when i've done something i just move on you know i just keep on moving on you know uh but some covers that I've heard I really liked, like there was a band called, um, God, I forgot their name. They were big in England. Um, I'll think about their name, but they were very, a super credible kind of like indie band, you know, slash like just a very credible, they had won all the awards and they covered Don't Stop Moving, you know, and it was really interesting to see it. The Beautiful South. There you go. See, this is amazing. Yeah. For you then, so you're working on S Club 7. As soon as this comes out, because from the time it was created to the time released, boom, it was S Club 7, especially from Never Had a Dream Come True to Don't Stop Moving. People were eating it up so quickly, you know, consuming it so quickly. Yeah. When that was released, what projects were you working on at the same time? Because the other thing too is many people realized, oh, wait, we thought every song, like Shepard, you're in the studio on Monday, it's released Friday, then you're working on another one Monday. Sometimes songs take a while to get released, different projects, yeah, scrapped and sort of thing. What else were you working on during that time? You you were working on other? I mean, I think it was a case and I, I think in my career, 
like for example, publishers often send out send out pitch sheets like we're looking for this or we're looking for that. I never was that kind of writer. I was more the kind of writer like just write an amazing song that has that magic and then it will find its way, you know? Because mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people necessarily know exactly what they want, you know? So I would be writing all the time with artists kind of in mind, but the main goal was to just write an amazing, you know, the best song possible. And then different artists, like it would be pitched to different artists or if I'm writing with an artist that day, yeah, I'm writing with them, of course, because the artist is there. I mean, literally I was on writing for every band that needed songs in the UK at that time and in Europe, you know, I mean, it was, you know, other artists I was writing for was like, at that time was like Westlife, All Saints. I wrote with the Spice Girls. Um, Oh, I didn't. What was the Spice Girls? Uh, it never got released. That's a crazy story, too. I mean, that's a funny story. But Ooh, uh, we, if I you want to talk. We, yes, because we have a huge Spice Girls fanatic following. We had um, Steve Anderson on. And as soon as I mentioned anything, Kylie, boom, people were like flooding my DMs going, talk of more. I'm like, OK, so you mentioned Spice Girls. So let's let's get to the Spice Girls story. This was like right after I had my first hit in England. Basically, um, at that time, I, I, I mentioned to you Rondor uh, Music, right? So mm -hmm. they had an office in an area in London called Parsons Green, which in the basement, they had two songwriting demo studios. And actually all of Rondor's places at that time, they would have like studios where songwriters would go and make demos and people would work. and. So this office in Parsons Green had basically two demo studios in the basement. One day I'm going there from my apartment and that time I was in England living in like Earl's Court. I was supposed to actually do something else. Peter McCanley came down to the studio and said, your session's changed. There's this really cool pop group I want you to meet. You know, they're not signed, but there's something about them. At that time, they're being touted around to songwriters by a guy named Mark Fox. And actually, Mark Fox was not only Brookula's A&R person that found Torn, but uh, mm -hmm. basically, um, Mark Fox brings them down and they're like very kind of like, let's just say they put on a show and they were very flirtatious, jumping around the studio flirting like northern girls from like Liverpool, you know, half of them, you know, they were very like, they had tons of energy and like, they had something about them. So they were like grabbing my ass in the studio, uh, jumping around, doing dances. And, you know, I thought it was great, but let's just say at that time I was into singing groups like SWV and kind of like Brownstone and In Vogue. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep, so, yep. And Spice Girls are more on the pop side, right? So mm -hmm. for me, I didn't initially get it. Like I thought it was not credible enough or something, but I was very stupid because I didn't understand that, you know, England is very poptastic. On one hand, they're very uber cool and have the credible side. And on the other hand, there's this other side, which is like, they just want silly pop songs in the pub that are very fun, you know? And mm -hmm. basically that's huge in the UK. So we wound up writing two songs together. And after that, I was like, hmm, I, I personally don't get this, but 
that was one of the biggest mistakes I made because they wanted to, to continue writing with me, you know? And, and so that was for the, the, what would have been their debut album. Yes. And that was with a guy named Mark Taylor, actually, who actually wound up co-writing Believe by Cher and a lot of hits for him and did that Enrique record, Hero. That, that oh, yeah. Hero. Man. Oh, so then let me ask you this. So from the time of you working on those two songs with them for what would have been their debut album until they released um, Wannabe, like how much time was that before you were like, oh, crap? <laughs> that was fast. It happened fast because what what happened was literally two weeks later, Simon Fuller got involved, you know, Simon Fuller got involved and he rebranded it. You know, they figured they figured out the whole direction very quick. Like you're going to be blah, blah, spice. You're going to do this. And yeah, you know, and he was able to focus it in terms of the, the, that marketing aspect and the focus of it. And they got a quick, you know, he got a huge record deal for them. I mean, I was there during that time and uh, actually Peter McCamley signed, signed their publishing to a company called Windswept Music because um, he had left Rondor. Oh no, sorry. My timeline is wrong here. It, it was later actually, it wasn't, it, it was before Don't Stop Moving, but at that time, Peter McCamley yeah, right. He was at Rondor Music, but then, like three months later, he got poached by Windswept Music. That's what happened, and he got and he signed the Spice Girls, and basically, the Spice Girls, uh, like literally, probably six months later, Wannabe came out. It was all over, game over. You know, wow. It, it took over the world. I mean, that song was so poppy. It was really like overtly poppy and yeah, and so the songs that you were doing with them were more along the lines of like your r&b influenced girl groups kind of yeah kind of but it didn't really it wasn't the right direction that mm -hmm. they were going down you know and i should have put more time into it because my god some of those songs are just absolute classics you know to become one and they're just fantastic pop songs Amazing. See, now the Spice Girls fans are going to be like, we need those. Spice Girls, release them. We love this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, as long as the check clears you all, like, make sure you go through publishing. <laughs> <laughs> and if you enjoyed learning about more of Shep Solomon's songs, please check out my other interviews with him. Just scroll through the list on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check those out and take a look and let me know what has been your favorite Shepard Solomon song. And if you're a fan of S Club, make sure that you subscribe to the show. We, in fact, are going to be releasing our episode with Simon Ellis talking about the creation of his many songs with S Club. And let me know what has been your favorite S Club or S Club 7 song. Let me know in my DMs or join me on Instagram, the.original.doll. Big shout out to my Patreon supporters. You all rock. I truly appreciate the support. Because of you, we can keep this going. My name is James Rodriguez. This is the Original Doll Iconography. I'll see you on the flip side.